Jacob, are you pondering what I'm pondering? I think so, Drew. But wouldn't Moriarty disappear out of the holodeck? I think the only thing holographic is your brain. No, you fool, we're going to review an animated uh, movie on this here podcast. Brilliant! No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Why would anybody want to listen to geek, two geeks like us? Because, you fool, these people have uh, are so very easily entertained. Okay, Drew. Nerf! Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who just likes to build art out of scrap. Welcome, Jacob. Why, thank you. And like to introduce our host, a man to quote the movie, I am Groot. No, way better. Wrong movie. Yeah, <laughs> let, definitely let, the wrong movie. Yeah, let, let me rephrase that. I think you're thinking Superman. There you go. There we go. Anyways. <laughs> That Welcome, Drew. That was not a good impression. No, it wasn't. Vin Diesel saying that, that no. name. But anyway. Hi. I was going to go a different route, but. So how are you doing today, Jacob? Man, I'm doing very well. Uh, just got off a 10-hour um, work day. And now, mind you, be like, um, that's working from like 7.30 to 5 with an hour break. And, uh. With a little help here and there, but no one really scheduled to do the other part of my job or assist me in my job. It's always like someone else with another department coming over and helping me. So that's a little bit frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm very grateful for the job I have. Uh, definitely when the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, it's been like, what, 15 weeks? Something like that. Something like 15, 15 weeks and those, those three months. Yeah. So March, th- April, May. Yeah. Three months. Like there there were days more like, okay, I need to take a breath. Okay, I can't take the breath at this mm-hmm. moment. But uh there again, I'm very grateful for the for the hours and very grateful for the paycheck. Just for a little help. Just a little help. Uh every once in a while it'd be great. Uh but other than that, uh except, you know, just being a little exhausted trying to work on projects and Trying to find the, the the suitable time to get things done. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I'm doing peaching. <laughs> How about you? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, like you, I've been essential for the past couple months. Right. And my boss decided to leave. So we're in the middle of that topsy-turvy era of trying to get transitioned. Yeah. And we're on the tail end of it, but, you know, I, we're going to be running into issues probably for the next two years trying to make sure trying to remember who does what yeah and trying to get everything situated but other than that uh we're doing good okay i'm doing good it's just been you know that kind of a week nothing crazy but nothing boring i got you yeah we just recently um we lost a store director Mm -hmm. like he basically just got moved over to another store and we got another store director um named patrick and he's actually a really cool guy. He's he's a little bit he's a little bit older than me, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of a he's a very good guy. He's a very good guy. Maybe like I think the the first day I saw him leave, he was leaving with like a huge Bible. I was like, okay, that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'd like to point out. Apparently, my new boss is in my watch party, and he said, "At least your new boss is awesome." <laughs> 
Hey, my old boss was really cool. My old boss. No, was, you say my new boss. Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, never mind. Yes, your new boss. Yes, is not Drew, the one yes, in here. Yes, Drew's new boss is absolutely incredible. Best boss ever. <laughs> He's gonna love that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's, I love your co-host, man. <laughs> no offense, a lot. Some of this might get cut out of the final recording. Oh, but we'll Come see. on, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, so, Jacob, what have you been watching? Oh, besides this, our oh, what? Well, let me count the ways of the dumb anime I tried to watch <laughs> on um, Amazon Prime Movie <laughs> or film or whatever that app is called. Amazon Prime Video. There we go. Thank and I'm you. assuming you watched an original, or was it a older, older one? Okay, older '90s, old like '80s, '90s. Okay, so it's going to be a little crunchy. Yeah, just just a little bit. If if in nowhere else, the English dub. Yeah. Oh, what was it? Honestly, I'm drawing a blank because I just I, I tried watching one episode. And I got bored to tears with it. Mm-hmm. I tried another episode with another show. I got but bored to tears. What are the names of these shows? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, goody. <laughs> this <Yes>. is, <laughs> we can't even recommend people what not to watch because you can't remember <laughs> no, the name can't. Of, the, of the show. <laughs> you know, AKA 10 hours of work. <laughs> I understand. Your that goes, is why notes to your friend. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> horrible at taking notes myself. Uh,. Yeah, the the only problem is like, oh yeah, Jacob, just you know, take some caffeine, be like, oh, perk your work it up. Except Wrong. you're the other way around. Exactly. You need to be taking the Benadryl so you'll get energy. Yeah, pretty much. I should have <laughs> thought of that. It's <laughs> like, give me Benadryl now, please. I want to wake up. Yes. Anyway, no, no kind of like a certain character getting uh, coffee <laughs> during our film. Yes. Yes. Mine is. I I can't talk that. Well, I can, but well, in not all right on- now. In all honesty, I don't know if the actor we'll get to this yeah we'll, the, we we'll, get to the read, we'll but i don't think that actor there. was talking that fast either i think that was sped up probably in the re- editing booth but it still works who knows it works it was a great great scene but anyways be like yes i i watched this film for the first time and loved it mm-hmm. but other than that i have not had a chance to watch anything else how about you drew well as you know about two weeks ago i was on vacation And while I was on that vacation, it was requested of me Mm. to try Western that I know is my dad's favorite, one of my dad's favorite movies. He's read the, he's reading the book again, but he's reading, he's, uh, he's read the book. My mom likes it. They say it's one of the best Western uh, televisions shows out there. And technically it's a mini series. Okay. Lonesome Dove. Oh, my my dad and my brothers love that miniseries. I've I've watched the first or Jim does episode slash movie. Yeah, uh, it is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's gonna have to pick up a little. Yeah, it's it's. And I'm sure it will because a lot of this one was uh, introducing you to all the characters, mm-hmm. giving you the idea, uh, appearing to kill off a character just as you got to know them and to like them mm. uh <laughs> happens it happens but uh yeah um that's what i i'm wa- i watched the first episode i'm gonna slowly go through it uh i have not decided how to mark this in the 100 movie challenge that we're both in because yeah. technically it's four movies but yet i've been marking this on uh 
Letterboxd. Yeah. It only lists all four. It lists all four of them as one thing, not separate. So I don't know how I'm going to count it. Yet. Oh, okay. I I'll might, count it as one. I may consider it as one and just being a two, four, six, eight hour movie. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. My, I, I wasn't going to mark it till I finished the whole thing because I figure I might as well finish the whole thing. Yeah. Because it's not bad. It's just slow. Mm-hmm. It getting is, started. It's very slow. Uh, the fact that uh, my dad, my dad and my brother Jim love mm. the film for the fact that be like, oh, if you have a sick day, be like, it's great for watching because you have like eight hours worth of material to watch. I love that people think I can have the attention span that long in one day. Yeah, me either. I can't do that. I, <laughs> I have can't to do that do either. S- now I, I say that, and I know I've put in marathon days playing video games. Right. So maybe I should keep my mouth shut. But uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, I've watched. Uh, what else have I watched? I have been watching the Disney Gallery making of The Mandalorian. Okay, how's that going? That is pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. I if you if you're interested in not just movie making, but hearing essentially fans of Star Wars gush for about some odd episodes and talk about how their thought process of Star Wars led into how they made decisions in the, in this and everything. And looking at just the behind-the-scenes stuff as to how they actually shot the show, it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, did so, you know that whole, a lot of that is shot in a soundstage with a back, with a backdrop screen? I didn't know that. Projecting images behind them? I didn't know that. That's a lot of, a lot of how the, the thing was filmed. Really? Yeah. Old school then. Old school, but not old, but with a new school flair. I gotcha. Because a lot of that is CG stuff for them to do. Now, of course, there's stuff where they had to go out to a location. Right. But a lot of stuff, like the the stuff in uh, the town or in the uh, ship, his ship, or uh, some of the other locations that are more space-based. Mm-hmm. That was all shot on essentially a backdrop screen. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. Uh, or back projection, that's what it's yeah, called. There we go. Rear projection. So, so I, uh, I, that's pretty much what I've watched. Okay. I do want to make one clarification. I did watch one thing. Uh, on Netflix, there is a, uh, a documentary or kind of a biography, uh, Garth Brooks, The Road I'm On. Which mm-hmm. I'd be like, I've always been a huge Garth Brooks fan since probably 1993, 94. No. No, you wouldn't think that. Really? <laughs> yeah. You have bad taste in country music? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, be like, I watched it and be like, you know, being the, the huge Garth Brooks fan I am, be like, it was a really good documentary originally. It was on a, uh, I think it was on a and I believe, originally. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really good. Uh, what a, a lot of places you never thought like a documentary would go, but it went there. It was it was incredibly good. It's two it's two episodes, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly and thoroughly enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, and this is more like a shout out to uh someone I know, and uh, gave me the most amazing gift ever. Mm-hmm. One of them. So a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I get a text from uh from an old friend. Uh, uh, Julie Bradley. I, I've known her for years from church and what have mm-hmm. you. And I, I had the opportunity of watching her children grow up, which is really cool. And so she messaged me like, hey, we're we're looking to, you know, 
donate and get rid of a few things. Uh, would you uh, would you want some of it? Having no idea what she's talking about. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Send me pictures. And a couple of minutes later, send me pictures. It's all movies. Mm-hmm. All movies. It's television series. Um, so I'm like, yes, in a heartbeat. So like a week, like a week later, I drive out to her place and, um, I get this enormous, enormous box Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, okay, that couldn't be all the movies she described. And so I get back to the house and be like, okay, I'm going to record this, put it on for everybody can watch it. And it is is in our Facebook page. Yes. If anyone's interested. Yeah. If you're interested go, go watch the video because it's. That was fun. That was a fun unboxing because mm-hmm. it was. It's a ton of John Wayne movies, uh, which a lot of them I saw. Several of them I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And um, Batman the Animated Series, Arr! Star Wars: The Clone Wars, mm-hmm. seasons one through five, uh, the original Babylon, or no, it's not Babylon. Uh, either way. <laughs> Whatever, whatever show it is, you whatever, can't think whatever of. show I can't think of it. Yeah, either way, I'll 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 put it down somewhere. What because you can go back and watch the is video. It science fiction. Yes, science fiction. And it's a mainstay of say the nineties, early two thousands. Uh, it's it's more like late eighties. Okay, I don't know that. Yeah, so, Battlestar Galactica. Ah, that's what I was looking for. So, so it was the old is it the old Battlestar Galactica or it's, the new Battlestar? Galactica? It's the old. You know, old okay, school. the good one. Yeah, the good, the old one. I have I may have controversial opinions. I I've, I've never seen it, so so eventually I might get around to watching it. Maybe if you ever have time. Yeah, if I ever have time, uh, which seems my time gets a little more limited every week. Apparently, I know the feeling. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you want to go watch that reaction video on um, the Facebook page on our, on our Facebook page, you're more than welcome to. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of fun. And I'd uh, love to get a huge shout-out to uh, MickeyMomTravel.com. They are a, um, they are a, uh, a travel agency where you can go to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, mm-hmm. Disney Cruises. Uh, you, uh, you, if you are interested, if you are interested in having, like, be like, I really want to go to Disney, maybe in a couple of months when everything kind of slows down a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, go... Check out um, Mickey Mom Travel dot com and uh, be like, I'm just you know, this is not sponsored. This is not no promotions or anything. I'm just wanting to you know give them some love and uh, you know give them a huge shout out. Definitely for uh, Miss Julie uh, giving you such an amazing gift. And there again, thank you again. Well, while we're giving shout outs, yeah, go for it. We have gotten a review on Apple Podcasts. Woo woo. And I am slow at getting it out there because this review was left on December 15th of 2019. (laughs) I am a little behind because I didn't think to check the thing. I'm going to do better about checking all of our stuff, our locations now. So if you want to hear your review uh, of our podcast right on the show. Right. Uh, give it, leave us a five star review. We don't really want to review, uh, say the lower ones, but <laughs> you want to gush about it? We'll definitely read you on the show. Mm-hmm. So uh, this review was left by Jay Hamrick, which I, if I'm not mistaken. I think this is. Uh, if you remember last year, I was on a podcast called uh, Franchise Fatigue. Yeah, and we were 
uh, we reviewed the movie uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Uh, I believe this is him. Oh, okay. that that James. I think that's I James. That's yeah, that yeah, James. Yeah. Uh, he his title of our of his review was Great Chemistry and a Great Concept. Uh, he writes, film bros too easily write off animation and end up missing out on some really fantastic filmmaking. The Cell cast has two hosts with great chemistry and an obvious love for the genre. It's been officially added as a regular podcast while I'm at work. Rock on. Thanks, James. So, yeah. So, what do we got in the news? All right. So, news-wise. So, kind of like a certain movie that we mentioned last week. Mm-hmm. Another movie is getting a sequel, and it's already greenlit and in pro- in production. Awesome. What is it? Psst. Are you referring to Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse? That'd be correct, sir. I do believe they actually... Or there were rumors of it being greenlit, like, back in March, yeah. I think. Well, according, It's official now? Yeah, it's official. Good. Uh, Sony, Sony Pictures Animation is returning to the incredible multiverse of heroes... Uh, explored by Miles Morales and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse 2. Uh, apparently, the lead animator, Nick Kindo, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but I do apologize, uh, announced that the kickoff reduction was, according to his tweet, first day on the job, which was posted on Monday. All right. All right. Annou- uh, originally announced to be released on April 6, 2022, uh, Columbia Pictures will now see the spot the Spideys swing back into theaters October seventh, two thousand twenty two. In two years. In two years. Well, I can be patient. Yeah. Because I know it's going to be good if it's anything like the original. Right. All right. All right. What else we got? All right. So, so I'm pretty sure by this point everybody knows about HBO Max. Yes. All right. So, apparently, the internet is in an uproar right now about Looney Tunes. Yeah, and I think I know where you're going with this. Yes. <laughs> well, let's see. According to the article I've read on animationmagazine.com or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Uh, Your standard location my, my for, standard for, news. Uh, moving, for animated news. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a good place to find if you are looking for anything animation-related. It's a really good site to go to, so go check it out. Mm-hmm. There again, not paid ad. No, just our standard source. Just our standard source. So, Elmer Fudd won't be using a gun in HBO Max's The New Looney Tunes cartoon. Uh, the producers told the New, the New York Times has said the crafty hunter will stalk the wily rabbit using just sharp instruments and high explosives. Hang on. Elmer Fudd running around with a giant knife uh-huh. is somehow less scary than him running around with a double-barrel shotgun. Oh, it gets better. He he runs around with a large sickle. What is he, death? <laughs> pretty much. I mean, that's be, that would be actually a pretty good episode, <laughs> probably. I have not watched a lot of the new Looney Tunes cartoons. Right. I need to. I need to. I think I've watched maybe part. Of, I've watched like one of the shorts. But, uh, yeah. All right. That could be good. Now, I have to point out. Yeah. People may forget. Yes, we all know Elmer Fudd as the hunter. Yes. In fact, between Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd, we act, we act because with that situation a word changed its meaning yes because of this if, for those of you who don't know there's an episode 
where I say an episode. There is one short where Bugs Bunny is mocking Elmer Fudd at one point, calling him Nimrod. And at the time, it was a re- well, in the writing, it was a reference to the character, uh, the character, the person of Nimrod recorded in Genesis, who was a great hunter. Right. So Bugs Bunny was mocking him, saying, "Oh, you're you're such a great hunter like Nimrod." Well, of course, most people did not know who Nimrod was. Right. So they just assumed Bugs Bunny was calling Elmer Fudd an idiot. And hint, that's why. And that's why that's what that word means now. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Good piece of trivia. Yes. It, I mean, Elmer Fudd has been more, though, than just your standard hunter. I mean, in one of his first appearances with Bugs Bunny, he was a wildlife photographer. Okay. Uh, he's been. He, he's He's had a lot of different jobs right very f- now admittedly I mean, heck he's he was in an opera you yeah that's go true. back and listen to our first loony virus episode for that mm-hmm. uh elmer fudd can be a lot of things yes the loss of his shotgun might reek of over pc-ness and the idea that the cartoons are supposed to be for kids and they don't want guns in kids' programming, that's been a normal thing for the past 30, 40 years. Right. And that's really not necessarily a bad thing. No. Even though I think it's being over, it's being overly protective anyway. Right. That's probably going to get a lot of flack, but I'll take it because, yeah. eh. Uh, right. So, to quote... It, I just ahead. think it's not the end of the world that no, he does not have his it's shotgun. Not. It's not. Be like, I, I saw someone who had posted about this, talking about, oh, just how people, you know, the the gun lobbies and freedom of press and what have mm-hmm. you. It's like, no, it's a kids' cartoon. People be like, like, like you said, be like this. This stuff. This this almost a war of trying to not making things PC rather, but rather trying to make it more kid friendly. Yeah. Well, except I watched Looney Tunes when I was four years old, and I'm not crazy, and I can, and I know how to actually operate a gun without killing somebody. Right, I agree with you. I agree so with you. I mean, I'm, I'm the exact same way. I'm just, I'm just saying, this is just me being me. Gun, and this is. Let's get off the subject, okay? Because this is just going to cause trouble moving forward. So okay. let's just move on. What's the next bit of news? All right, so that is actually the last bit of news. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, then I guess we are going to be moving into our spoiler-free section of our review for the movie The Iron Giant. Yes. You said this was your first viewing, correct? Yes. Well, it was not mine, although there were large portions of this movie I had forgotten about. Mm -hmm. I I probably first saw it on Cartoon Network about 20 years ago uh, when they would do the movie... Yeah, uh, the weekend, mo- the cartoon, cartoon movie, or whatever they called it. Yeah, uh, I know this one got played a lot on th- around Thanksgiving. Yeah, for one reason, that was when they chose to always air this one. Yeah, even though there's no Thanksgiving theme to this movie at all. Yeah, other than it is around that time of year, I Roughly. suppose. Um, and I, so that's when I first watched it with you know commercial breaks interrupting it every ten minutes. <laughs> um, and I enjoyed the movie. Back then, and so, but I had never gone out and I had not enjoyed it enough to go out and purchase a copy or 
to go back and watch it again. Because like mm-hmm. I said, the last time I watched this movie was about 20 years ago. I knew most of the plot, but there were large portions of the actual action I had forgotten. Okay. Uh, I remember liking it then, and I definitely like the movie now. In fact, I may have had a hard time coming up with dislikes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's my review. spoiler-free review of that movie. What's yours? All right. So, when this movie came out in, in 1999, I'd be like, I just didn't... Because I think I saw it. I, I Obviously, you saw trailers everywhere. I didn't. Um, I didn't know about the film until I saw it being advertised as airing this Friday on Cartoon Network. Really? Yeah. I okay. did not know a thing about this movie. The ne- Outside of seeing it that one time, the next time I even heard anything about it was when I was watching the special features for the Incredibles and Brad Bird was talking about, you know, what he'd done before on the Iron Giant and going, I know the name of that movie. Oh yeah, I watched that a couple years ago. That was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh because obviously I re- I remember seeing trailers for it and I was like, oh okay, I'll I'll eventually get around to watching it. Mm-hmm. So to and you didn't. 2020. Yeah, 20 years later. 20 years. 20, you know, 21, 21 years later. 21 years later, I finally get around to actually watching it. And oh my gosh, this thing blew. Be like, if you could physically blow socks off, they would have been blown off. Mm-hmm. Just how incredibly well done this movie was. Uh, and it's sad that the movie really didn't get a whole lot of traction in theaters. Yeah. And which we'll get into later. Oh, but, yes, we will. But. I love, I love this movie to death. It's mm-hmm. so good. I mean, like, I I was emotionally pulled into the movie. I mean, like, I found myself invested into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look like the the emotional swells were getting to me. I was like, okay, why am I about to like burst into tears for a robot? <laughs> well, same reason we almost did for a treat. That is. That is true. Voiced by the same character. Yeah. Voice actor. Yeah. Why did I say character? <laughs> I am Groot. More like, I am Superman. <laughs> Either the crossover way. we never knew we wanted. Yeah, exactly. Except we do. We've always known we wanted DC yeah. Marvel crossover. But anyway. Exactly. Or in this case, Warner Brothers. Either way. DC Marvel. DC Marvel. Whichever. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. So... I enjoyed this movie. I, I can't give this movie enough praise. Really, like, it's a, it's such a um, technical marvel of a film mm-hmm. that um, there again be like has become a cult classic and just loved by many fans. And uh, actually, where I work, I asked me people, "It's like, so did anybody watch the Iron Giant?" They kind of look me funny. It's like, what the what's the Iron Giant? Oh, I hate that response. <laughs> it's like at the oh, very okay. least, you should know of it. Yeah. Because at least it's it's that good a movie that it, sh- it really should be bigger than it is. Yeah, yeah, very I was, underrated. It is. I, I was halfway expecting to run the somebody who knew this film. Yeah, and nobody knew about it. Such so, a shame. Yeah. So hopefully we will be raising awareness for this film. Exactly. So yeah, that is my spoiler-free review of Iron Giant. All right. So. We're going to move into our spoiler-filled section, so we will catch you on the other side. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie The Iron Giant. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Giant was written and directed by Brad Bird, 
who would go on to write and direct The Incredibles, The Incredibles 2, Ratatouille, uh, Tomorrowland, and uh, he would also go on to direct Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. It was also written by Tim McCanleys, who would go, who also wrote uh, the movie Secondhand Lions. Mm. And it is based on the book The Iron Man by Ted Hughes. Yes. I think I know why it's not called that in this movie. Hmm. Wonder why. Because even though Mar- uh, Iron Man wasn't owned by Disney yet, still they couldn't technically use that name. No, it was probably. Some, yeah. Especially since they're also got comic books in there. Yeah. All right. Uh, the music was by uh, Michael Kamen. He also wrote the music to Band of Brothers, X Men, and Mr. Holland's Opus. Ah. The cast includes Jennifer Aniston as Annie Hughes. She, of course, played Rachel Green on Friends mm-hmm. and uh, played the character of Sarah Gardner in the movie Storks. I remember something about that. Mm-hmm. I actually own that She movie. was the human character. That's, That's right. not the baby. Uh, I gotcha. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, Harry Connick Jr. plays Dean McCoppin. And uh, Harry Connick Jr. apparently is a musician. Yeah, yeah. I was unaware of this. Yeah, he's more like blues and I mean, jazz it's just and stuff. All that. I have never, you know, not the genres I tr- traditionally listened to. Right. So that's why I didn't know this. But uh, he also played a Captain Jimmy Wilder in Independence Day. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I do remember that. I can't breathe. <laughs> From the movie reference. Let's yes, see that. Yes. From the movie reference. <laughs> Independence Day. The first one. Yeah, the first one. Why, from my understanding, the good one. Yeah, the good I one. I haven't watched the second one, yeah, so I can't form an opinion. Uh, Vin Diesel plays the Iron Giant himself. I am Groot. And he did play Groot in <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He also plays uh, Dominic Toretto. Toretto. In the Fast and the Furious series. Yep. And he is also plays the character of Riddick in the Chronicles of Riddick series. Yep. James Gammon played Foreman Marv Loach and Floyd Turbo. Mm-hmm. He was Dawson in Silverado and Esco Swanger in Cold Mountain. Yeah. Cloris Leachman played Mrs. Tinsedge. She was Gran in the Crudes. And in Young Frankenstein, she played Frau Blucher. <laughs> Christopher McDonald played uh, Kent Mansley. He played the character of Daryl in Thelma and Louise and Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore. Hmm. John Mahoney plays General Rogard. And uh, in the television series Frasier, he played Martin Crane. You know... Frazier's dad. Yeah. Or as you said earlier, Eddie's owner. Yeah, exactly. Just to show you the difference in how <laughs> we two remembered this one character. Yes. Although, like I said earlier, admittedly, Eddie was the best character on the show. Very true. All right. Eli Marenthal played Hogarth Hughes. Mm-hmm. That is such an interesting name. Yes. In the television show, Static Shock. He played Tim Drake slash Robin. Really? And I th- and while it does not say which Robin he plays in Mystery of the Batwoman, 
Okay. That uh, animated thing that came out. Yeah, that'd be Tim. That'd be Tim Drake. I think that was also Tim Drake. Okay. So he reprised his role from the show. Oh, okay. Well, excellent. All right. And uh, M. Emmett Walsh plays Earl Stutz. He was Byron in Blade Runner, Mr. Prufrock in Knives Out, and in the movie Christmas with the Cranks, he played Walt Scheel. And basically, nowadays, he plays every old man. Gotcha. And he's in a lot of stuff. He's he's just one of those people who always gets hired to be the, the old fuddy-duddy in the back, background. Okay. So that brings us to the end of the cast. What do we got in info? So on IMDb, it has a rating out of uh, 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 96%, and its audience score is a 90%. Okay. So apparently the critics liked it more than the audience. Right. All right. Show, it was produced by Warner Brothers Feature Animation. Distribution by Warner Brothers Studios. It was released, its original release was on July 31st, 1999 at the Man's Chinese Theater. And for everywhere else... In the U.S. was August 6th, 1999. And box office results, it had an estimated budget of $70 million. Mm -hmm. Its opening weekend U.S. release, it had $5.7 million. Yeah, a little, a little, a little low, a little low. That was August 8th. I think it's, this is our first box office bomb besides maybe Final Fantasy The Spirits Within we've I, reviewed. I think so. I think so. The second bomb. Close to it. Except but, this one uh, deserved it less than Spirits Within did. Yeah, I agree. On Even though I love Spirits Within. Yeah. And so it had a U.S. gross of $23.1 million. All right. It had the exact same... Well, it earned a little bit more. Earned about another fifty thousand dollars worldwide. Okay, just a little bit, just a tad, just just tiny bit. So yeah, it it bombed in theaters, but now it is such which is so stinking sad. Agreed, agreed, agreed. But then you know what other movie bombed in theaters and now is considered a classic? What would that be? it's a wonderful life. That is true. So it's in good company. That is very true. So that is all we have for info and box office. All right. So getting into the summary of this film. During the Cold War, shortly after the Soviet Union launched Sputnik 1 in October 1957, an object from space crashes in the ocean just off the coast of Maine and then enters the forest near the town of Rockwell. Hmm. The following night, 11-year-old Hogarth Hughes investigates and finds the object, a 100-foot-tall, not actually 100 feet tall, 100-foot-tall alien robot attempting to eat the transmission lines of an electrical substation. Hogarth eventually befriends the giant, finding him docile and curious. When he eats railroad tracks in the path of an oncoming train, the train collides with him and derails. Hogarth leads the giant away from the area, discovering that he can self-repair. While there, Hogarth shows the giant comic book, the giant comic book chronicles of the adventures of Superman. 
The incidents lead a xenophobic U.S. government agent named Kent Mansley to Rockwell. He suspects Hogarth's involvement after talking with him and his widowed mother, Annie. Hogarth's father was a U.S. Air Force pilot who died during the Korean War. Where did it say that in the movie? Yeah. I. This is what this says that I got off Wikipedia. I don't remember where it said he died. I just. It's Wikipedia. Take that with take that last sentence yeah. with a grain of salt. Okay, this much salt. <laughs> and rents a room in their house to keep an eye on him. Hogarth evades Mansley and leads the giant to a junkyard owned by beatnik artist Dean McCoppin, who reluctantly Rudy. agrees to keep him. Hogarth enjoys his time with the giant, but is compelled to explain death after witnessing hunters killing a deer. That night. Hogarth is interrogated by Mansley when he discovers evidence of the giant after finding a photo of him next to Hogarth and bringing a U.S. Army contingent led by General Shannon Rogard to the scrapyard to prove the giant's existence. But Dean, having been warned by Hogarth earlier, tricks them by pretending that the giant is one of his art pieces. Upset by the apparent false alarm, Rogard prepares to leave with his forces after berating Mansley for his antics. Hogarth then continues to have fun with the giant by playing with a toy gun, but inadvertently activates the giant's defensive system, and Dean orders it away for Hogarth's safety with giving Hogarth, with Hogarth giving chase. Dean realizes that the giant was only acting in self-defense and catches up to Hogarth as they follow the giant. The giant saves two boys falling from a roof when he arrives, winning over the townspeople. Mansley jabbers wildly at Rogarth to return to Rockwell where he spots the giant in the town while leaving Rockwell. The army attacks the giant after he has picked up Hogarth, forcing the two to flee together. They initially evade the military by using the giant's flight system, but the giant is then shot down and crashes to the ground. Hogarth is knocked unconscious, but the giant, thinking Hogarth is dead and the military are responsible, transforms into a war machine in a fit of grief and retaliates, making its way back to Rockwell. Mansley then convinces Rogard to prepare a nuclear missile launched from the USS Nautilus as conventional weapons prove to be ineffective. Hogarth then awakens and returns in time to calm the giant while Dean clarifies the situation to Rogard. The general is ready to stand down when Mansley impulsively orders the missile launch, causing the missile to head towards Rockwell, where it will kill everyone upon impact. Nice job. Mansley attempts to escape, but the giant, st but the giant stops him, and Rogard has him arrested for his actions. In order to save the town, the giant bids farewell to Hogarth and flies off to intercept the missile. As he soars directly into the path of the missile, the giant remembers Hogarth's words. You are who you choose to be. Smiling contentedly, he says, Superman, as he collides with the weapon. The missile explodes in the atmosphere, saving Rockwell, its population, and the military forces nearby, but seemingly at the cost of the giant himself, leaving Hogarth devastated. Months later, a memorial of the giant stands in Rockwell. Dean and Annie begin a relationship. Hogarth is given a package with Ro from Rogard, containing a screw from the giant, which is the only remnant found. That night, Hogarth finds the screw trying to move on its own, and remembering the giant's ability to self-repair, happily allows the screw to leave. The screw joins many other parts as they converge on the giant's head on the... Langjokul Glacier in Iceland. I probably screwed that name up. And the giant smiles as he begins reassembling himself. That was great. Yes. So, what are your th what is your first like, Jacob? What is my first like? Let me get to my likes. All right. One, 
it's not a like, it's a love. Mm-hmm. I love this film. Love it. Like I said in our uh, non-spoiler review, I love the snot out of this film. Uh, having the joys of watching it last night before our review. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's so much you could say about this film. You could probably go for hours how yeah. amazing, wonderful, technically brilliant this movie is. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first my first one is be I love this film. Mm-hmm. Love it. And uh, I will definitely be buying the signature collection which apparently they put in two deleted scenes, mm-hmm. which I couldn't tell they were because I didn't know what they were because yeah. I haven't seen the film before. But wow. Just there again, wow. The movie is so incredibly well done. And uh, like reading the the box after the reviews, it's like, how? But. Mm-hmm. It's still an amazing film, and just, if you've never seen it, if you've never heard of it, go rent it, go buy it, watch it. Such a good movie. Okay. So what is your number one? My number one is the amazing animation. Oh, absolutely. In this movie. Absolutely. So, those of you who remember the previous episode on Aladdin, where I complained about how the CG animation... Did not age very yes. well in the thirty years it had been since that movie came out. Mm-hmm. Well, in ten years, while not using the cap system, uh, Warner Brothers ended up putting out a movie with two D CG on screen at the same time that aged a lot better. Now, do not get me wrong; there are parts where you're looking at it and you go, "Yeah, that's three D." Mm-hmm. Let's face it. The giant is a complete 3D model. Yes. But there's so much of that 3D intertwined throughout the entire movie that even the parts where it's painfully obvious yeah. <laughs> that you're looking at a 3D object on a 2D space, mm-hmm. uh, it still fits. Yeah. It still fits beautifully to the point where it feels like it's a part of the art style. Mm-hmm. Um. The biggest one that I always remember is when they're in the junkyard and uh, Hogarth is playing, what, a space superhero type game Something with like, the giant. Little kids And keeps calling uh, the giant Metallo or something like that. Yeah. Some, and, and, Metall- and the giant says, not Metallo. And he picks up this giant... Conveniently, yeah, S. place S puts it on his chest and goes, "No, Superman." And it's like that entire scene, uh huh, is a like, hey, it's the thesis statement of this movie. True, but it's also got some of the most beautiful animation that's both two D and three D. Yes, Agreed. you can tell which of the objects on the pile the uh the, the giant is about to pick up because yeah. it's the only one that's that's a 3d model yes but and it it has kind of the same cheat technique that they use on the giant to make him look uh animated with the rest of everything but it's anyway you can tell but at the same time it's like i don't care yeah it fits it work it feels like it's a part of the motif and they Mm -hmm. lean 
they leaned into what they knew the air, the the biggest problem most people would have with the movie, and they made it work. Yeah, and that's and I love that the movie is beautiful. The scenes with uh, the giant when he first takes off mm-hmm. is beautiful, and oh, how absolutely. It, it reminds me of those shots of the first, uh, which technically would have been after this, uh, the first rockets that they sent off to, into space. Mm-hmm. For the space race, those shots of being of seeing this giant uh, object launching to the heavens, mm-hmm. while all this normal man-made stuff that you recognize is standing around is around you, and you go on, and you can just feel the gravity and the weight of this character as he's launching. Oh yeah, as far as we know, for the first time. Yeah, and then plus his defensive systems. Oh, good night, yes. You go from, for lack of a better term, the cute and cuddly Iron Giant to evil space uh, thing to scare you with fear in like five seconds flat and then back. And it's like, holy crap, that looks so good. Uh-huh. And especially the uh, weapon effects when he does start firing and causes things to just disintegrate. Yeah. It's like, oh, admittedly, it does have that 50s retro sci-fi oh, yeah. aesthetic, which I absolutely love. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I absolutely love it. And I get. think that's that retro aesthetic that maybe people didn't buy into at the time. Probably. I don't care. I loved it because it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it kind and despite the fact I was not born anywhere around this time, right. it gives me nostalgia for that more Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon style mm-hmm sci-fi show oh yeah and that's kind of what this is but it's very it's not as cheesy as those shows are even though it's also kind of cheesy like those shows are in a way but yeah. it's in a way it works so so and the last one i'm gonna geek out about here when the giant does the cannonball into the pond and all of that water oh that was so it's good. going everywhere it's like so good that is the best 2D water effect uh-huh. when it's when underwater is not the status quo. Yeah. Because technically, Little Mermaid gains best water, because, but it's all throughout the movie because they treat it like air. Yeah. And because of the, expect, sec, the exception of the first couple moments of Little Mermaid where you can kind of see a water effect. Yeah. That's not there the rest of the movie because it's kind of got an air quality to it. This... It's a short segment. It's maybe, what, three minutes where you see this effect? Roughly. Especially <laughs> when Harry Connick Jr.'s character is just floating, floating. in what Not has reacting to be the whatsoever. only tidal wave in, that Maine has ever had yeah. to deal with. Sunk. <laughs> I love it's that. Like, and I'm looking going, this is beautiful. I can't believe people didn't watch this. Yeah. This needs to go back into theaters. Yeah. I, we're coming back out of this COVID thing. Movie theaters need something to show to get at least their crews back up and going, get people getting back in the theater. Put this back in the movie theater now. <laughs> I will go see it twice. <laughs> so kind of speaking of that, kind of a little Because this is beautiful, and I w- wish I had seen it in theaters originally. Yeah. So I had, post- I had posted on our, uh, our Facebook that uh, – if you had the chance, if you had the chance to go see one movie, one animated movie that you absolutely love, absolutely love to death, 
And uh, what movie, what, what anime movie would that be? The one response I got, Iron Giant. Honestly, I would agree with that. Now, I will admit, had I not seen a bunch of the Studio Ghibli movies in theaters a couple years ago with yeah. all this Ghibli Fest stuff that they that uh, Fathom Events does, right? I would have those would have been right there bucking heads with it. Oh, okay. This is that one of those movies that I would love to see in theaters again, just because of how beautiful it is. Now, another one I might put up there, right? Rescuers Down Under. Oh yes! Oh because my god! Those flight scenes, yes, need to be. I can tell, even despite the fact that I never got to see them, need to be experienced on the, the big, big screen. screen. Yes. So yeah, yeah that that would most definitely be, maybe in the future, maybe, maybe. Well, it's a lot easier for us to get a hold of now than it was when we first started the show. When we're talking about it, that is true. Because admittedly, when we first started the show, uh, I ordered. These two, uh, both Rescuers movies, and did not get them. I got a second, <laughs> third copy yes. of The Incredibles 2. <laughs> but now they're on Disney Plus, so yeah. those might be coming up. Yeah, someday. All right, what is your second like? My second like would be its story. Mm-hmm. The story, you know, it. But the way it's written, the 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 fact that they put it in 1950s, mm-hmm. the 1950s, height of the Cold War, height of the Cold War. Uh, it well, was maybe not the height of the Cold War, but this, this is where the worries were really getting ingrained. Yeah, it pretty was easy, pretty good. Yeah, it was. Well, technically, it was during the height of the Cold War because the whole war started like in 1940. Well, it started right seven? after World War Two. Yeah, right after World War Two. So yeah, this is the middle of you know the the Cold War. Uh, being my my parents were little little kids in the 1950s, mm-hmm. so they remember this era very well. Yeah, and, you know, talking about it, but duck and uh, cover and all that. Yeah, duck and cover and all that there's jazz. A, there's a part of me that's like, I'm happy they acknowledge duck and cover. Uh-huh. I hate duck and cover. <laughs> I remember doing it as a kid, but they love. I, I love. See, they didn't do that when I was a kid. Yeah, except for tornadoes. Yeah, that's and that cool. wasn't under the desk. That was out in the hall. Yeah, where the tornado Look can over get to your you. head. Yes, <laughs> but uh. I love how there's a little bit of a jab at how ridiculous the duck and cover thing is. Oh, yeah. Because when they're showing that video, they show the kid, mm-hmm. they show the bomb, bomb hit, hit the school in this little uh, old PSA thing. They show the a, a giant crater, but with one little bitty stick thing coming up with the kid hiding under the desk. And somehow the desk saved him. Yeah. Which... That is funny that you actually poked fun at that. <laughs> and it's a joke most people won't get. Yeah, exactly. And then you also point Especially out... Especially in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Most people never get that. The And also also the point where the uh, the bomb... They, they launched the uh, the missile. Mm-hmm. Launched the nuke. And uh, they're like, oh, should we get to a shelter? Well, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. Like the... Uh, what about duck and cover? It's not going to matter. Matter! <laughs> We're going to be in, yeah, we're going to. Mansley, Mansley, where is that missile currently targeted? The giant. And where is the giant? Uh, (laughs) You just killed every man, woman, and child in this town, including us. Got to go. Arrest that man. Make sure he stays here like a good soldier. (laughs) I love that Mansley gets his one-ups. I love that. 
Yes. This is a, the most annoying character in this whole movie, which is, and for the antagonist, it's a good annoying. Yeah. And he's the one who's like, you know what? Nobody likes you. You're going to die with the rest of us because you don't deserve to survive. Yeah, exactly. If we don't. <laughs> oh, but just uh, the, 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 the story of uh, a young boy who, like, obviously, because of Wikipedia, because apparently his father died in Korea. Apparently. Apparently. I didn't know that. Maybe but, that's in one of those deleted scenes. Who knows? But um, just the idea of this young boy who has the weirdest name on the planet, one of them. And they even poke fun at it. It's like, man, who names their kid Hogarth? That's a horrible name. And they come, the, the revelation's like, it's like, ho, 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 yes, <laughs> that was good. Well, when I first saw that, I didn't think the kid had written that on his BB gun. I thought that was like a Red Rider knockoff. <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense. I have watched a lot of Christmas stories. So a Red Rider BB gun with, uh, with a uh, crud. I can't say the whole thing. <laughs> sundial. No, it's not Sundial. Um. Get I just remember it ends with this thing that tells time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, sorry. Back uh, to you. So, a story of a young boy who apparently doesn't really have a whole lot of friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just wanting to be like, wants a pet, wants something. And uh, he winds up stumbling into this giant. This, yes. This iron giant, or the giant is called in the film. And it's more of their, you know, their their bond, their friendship, uh, forming of me and the, uh, like all the characters' interactions. Mm-hmm. The uh, our our antagonist is the fact that he's me. He comes across as like a sleazy, sleazy mm-hmm. FBI agent. Oh yes, and uh, just that. Well, I figured he was like early CIA. Yeah, that's what I thought. Or he's connected to Area Fifty One somehow. somehow. Um. But just oh my gosh, the the height, the paranoia mm-hmm. that was so prevalent during that time, they it played off beautifully in this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's uh, our our protagonist line. If if uh, if if we didn't, he's he's almost interrogating uh, Hogarth in the the diner mm-hmm. of where it's like if 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 it'd be like if 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 we didn't make it, if it came from somewhere else, we got to find it and kill it. And I was like, this was, that af- was so much like the 50s. <laughs> this was after Hogarth tricked him into eating a sundae sprinkled with chocolate. Yes! I love that. <laughs> it, it it literally took me a microsecond to realize what he was doing. It's like, Chocolax. Chocolax. It's like, oh, uh, X Lax. Oh my and gosh. The whole time, it's like, as he's going through the. the oh, yeah, that like, was hilarious. <laughs> my favorite is where he, he's out in the woods and has to, you know, go off in a bush somewhere. Yeah. It's like, Poor got poor what you deserved. deserved. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, oh. and in some way I feel bad for this guy because this guy, most villains, yeah. you at least understand them enough to where you can at least understand their point of view. Yes. And you can at least feel sorry for them. This guy does not even get that chance because from the beginning, yes, you understand his point of view. Yes. You appreciate what he's what he has to do and how and, and the thought processes that go through his mind, and you still hate him. 
throughout pretty, the entire movie because pretty much he's going to be the guy that gets in the way is not gonna understand and just to top it all off he's the guy who actually gives the order to kill the giants yeah this man will never never be a like protagonist antagonist no. outside of we're going to love to hate you oh yeah so uh, jumping <laughs> on piggybacking off your number two is my number two okay which is the fact that it's set during the Cold War. Oh, yeah. Now, admittedly, I only grew up in what would have been, what, the last five years of the Cold War? Yeah. In the late 80s? Yeah. And I was too young to know what was going on. I vaguely remember because I was born in 82. Right. Uh, my first thought of there being an actual war going on was when someone told me about Desert Storm. Give you an idea as to where 19, my, as how long it took me to yeah, come around. 1990, I remember that. Yeah. So... Totally different war, by the way. Yeah, I'm aware. So, looking, this is a weird, this is, A, setting it in the 50s. Yeah. Is right in line with the, all the classic sci-fi shows of the of, of the Buck Rogers and stuff. In fact, if you look at the movie poster mm -hmm. for this movie, it is designed to look like those old 1950s era science sci-fi horror B-movie posters. Oh, yeah. Which is brilliant in my opinion because yeah. it tells you what you want unfortunately i don't think that's most what most people wanted in 1999 which no. is a shame but that's beside the point i'll get to that in a minute go watch it <laughs> this movie i mean uh, setting it in that classic sci-fi setting mm -hmm. and putting it to where it's this kid interacting with it makes it just a lot of fun yeah it's the same reason I love how technically The Incredibles is set in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. It's got that same type of yeah. pop, the 50s pop flair. Mm -hmm. You've got the Red Menace you're always worried about. The Red Menace, You've yes. got the space race starting up. Sputnik? You've got, yeah. I love how they call it the Sputnik. We don't know what it's doing up there. It's just making beeping noises as it circles the Earth because they, they just wanted to prove they could put it up there in yeah. the first place. Yeah, there's even the... It's not till Sputnik 2. When they put the dog up there that we really should be worrying about. Oh, poor dog. That poor little puppy. <laughs> yeah, poor little puppy. Except, <laughs> playing along with that, that would have been Cosmo. Yeah. Who would later go on to end up in nowhere <laughs> and in the comics learned how to talk. Hey, at least they he need to bring that part of Cosmo back in the movies. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that would be funny. Anyway, back to this. I Set during this Cold War where you got that paranoia of what are the what are the what's that red menace gonna do mm -hmm. plus with the, the optimism of the sci-fi of, of the space race going on oh yeah giving that classic pulpy science fiction of that era teeth mm -hmm. and it's an emotion unlike most of those campy science fiction stories yeah. of that era you actually feel for all these characters you do actually it's just and, and it's unlike those where those were made on shoestring budgets. Mm -hmm. You can tell this had a lot of money put into it to make it good. And Brad Bird did an excellent job it with this a movie. lot of heart, actually. And a lot of heart. But the fact that it is still, at its heart, a 50s sci-fi. Done in a way the 50s sci-fi movies couldn't have been done at exactly. the time. is just beautiful, and I love it. Yeah. the There's there's once when you, you speak about Brad Bird... Uh, 
during the production be like he took it on himself because he's a, he's a classically trained animator. Mm-hmm. The scene where Hogard is hyped up on ca- on a uh, on coffee on coffee be like he well, did. Let's be honest, espresso, espresso, literally. <laughs> but like he took charge of that scene and drew it himself. Yeah, and I was like, oh my, wow, okay. You don't hear that much about animators no. or directors in movies. But I, I thought that was so fascinating when I mm-hmm. read that. Uh, so, yeah. That little, right. for, for little tidbit. What is... Uh, that was the end of my number. My yes. second like. Yes. What's your third like? What is my third like? Um, well, originally it was going to be animated, but you hit that out of the park. <laughs> so, I'm changing mine actually to the giant himself. Okay. Uh, Ironically, this is going to tail end into my third life. All right, okay. Continue. Two minds think alike, apparently. Well, there th- we have similar thoughts. That is true. So probably has something to do with the fact that we've been talking animation almost nonstop for the past year and a half. <laughs> that is true. Uh, so the giant, this weaponized monster that yes. comes to Earth. And gets a bump on the head. Yes. It doesn't be like has amnesia, like very, like very common in sci-fi, very common mm. in most be like you're like Goku, for example, from Dragon Ball Z. Yes. Or Dragon Ball or whatever series you want to talk about. Just say Dragon Ball. That's the whole franchise. Yeah, Dragon Ball. Whichever. But uh, even though technically that aspect didn't get introduced to Dragon Ball Z, but that's beside the point. Whatever. <laughs> so. Like, we're interested to the giant. He doesn't know who he is. He befriends Hogar. And uh, just the this amazing... Be like, he goes from a character who has no idea who he is mm-hmm. and comes to be like, where Hogar says, be like, uh, you can be like, you don't have to be the person you're... Be like, you can be somebody else. You don't have to be what you basically designed to be. Mm-hmm. And I love that because he's designed as a weapon. Yeah. And this whole, the whole uh, point of the, the idea is like not to be a weapon, not to be a gun. And uh, it's the giants, almost his choice when it comes to like, when be like, he's be like his, his defense mechanism as a state later is triggered. Mm-hmm. And he, you find it, you find it where he's like fighting against that. It's like, no, I'd be like, I don't want to become this. And, uh, and so he ultimately sacrifices his uh, sacrifices his life for lack of a word mm-hmm. to uh, save the town, save Hogar, save everybody. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that. And uh, oh, what was it? Um, and the fact that Vin Diesel, who was a very young actor at this time, mm-hmm. be like, this was like I want to say one of his first because his first one was actually a film he directed himself. <laughs> Right. You go look that up. It's interesting. Um, but he nailed it. Just the, the fact to be like a character who couldn't really talk. who just sounded like just metal, metal talking. Mm-hmm. And to the point where he could speak, he could have full conversations. And his last conversation with Ogar was like, like you to be like, you stay like, it, uh, you stay, I go. Yeah, exactly. No follow. And so I love that. That was be like, be like, it had me and I'd be like, it had me by the heart. And it's right out here. Mm-hmm. It's pulling me. It's like, Oh, that's so good. It was so well done. And, uh, I, I learned, I, uh, blah, if I could talk, 
Um, let me find let me find a quote from uh, Brad Bird, real fast. Well, while you're doing that, I'm gonna pop in some Go of for my it. thoughts. Go for so, it. So of course, my number three, I specifically worded as Vin Diesel breaking my heart again. There we go. Now, admittedly, this was the first time he would have done it, but I, for whatever reason, the first time I watched this, yeah, maybe it's just because. Maybe I wasn't paying that close attention the first time I watched this 20 years yeah. ago. But uh, it did not have the effect it had on me now. And plus, I've noticed I've gotten more sentimental as yeah. I've gotten older. Yeah. So Don't we all? Yeah. So, admittedly, this is the second time I've seen Vin Diesel's character not only, quote-unquote, die, but regenerate some a little bit by the end of the movie. Yeah. A little bit. Not a completely, but a little bit. Have you seen Saving Private Ryan? Ben Diesel's in that one too. Yes, he is. I don't. It's been a while since I've seen. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan. But this it's, is it's a good role in terms of animated characters. Well, let's face it. In terms of characters that, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't care about. Yeah. And Vin Diesel makes me care. He yeah. Made me care about Groot. He makes me care about. Uh, the giant in such a way. Now, admittedly, the giant I care about because yeah. he's very much an innocent. Yeah, he's an innocent because he got a he's got amnesia, but mm-hmm. he's very much a an innocent character. And even though throughout some of the movie, you kind of feel like okay, the giant's causing trouble again. Yeah, all this stuff. The end where he's. He said, like you said, he's saying those lines of "You stay, I go, no follow," uh, and then saying, and then of course his last line of "Superman" is like, oh. "It's like this is who I want to be. This yeah. is who I'm going to be." It's like, oh, you're. I'm not going to say that line affected me as much as we are grouped. Yeah, but it affects me. Yeah. It's like it makes me go. Surely this is not going to be his death. Yeah. And thankfully, it's not his death. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like this, unlike most of the times where you have this happy ending out of nowhere, seemingly yeah. out of nowhere, yeah. uh, that we see in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. This one is at least hinted at at the begin near the beginning. When we first meet the character, the fact that he can self-repair. Yeah. We don't know, of course, the extents of his self-repair, but apparently it's enough that if he's blown apart by... An atomic bomb. Yeah, he can com- still completely repair himself. Now that does bring up a question. That means he would have been the only one who survived had the bomb actually hit. Pretty much. Which means, good night. Can you imagine the heartache he would have to go through at that point? Oh yeah. I mean, admittedly, I have no idea how much emotions he has, but at least he has the rudimentary emotions that we would put on a android character whether it's got emotions or not right programmed artificial emotions you know right. what i mean um but the the amount if there's i hate to say that vin diesel is really is this is one of the things he's good at because he's good at doing he's a he's a great actor yeah but the fact that he can make this character who doesn't say a whole lot right but what he says is meaningful mm-hmm. and completely relatable yeah where you understand and feel for that character is a testament not just to the writing mm-hmm. of it, but to uh, 
to his acting ability. Yeah. To make me care about, A, a robot that could kill everybody. Right. B, a robot who has not spoken more than maybe 50 words throughout the entire movie. Yeah. It's like 48, but still. I, I didn't count. I'm just estimating because I know it's less than 100, but it's more than 10. Yeah. Uh, but yet his, and it's not all him, admittedly, the, you got motion capture and you've not, not in this movie, you didn't have motion capture, but you have animation and that goes into the creation of that character also. Mm -hmm. But the way his voice gives, adds the bit of soul that voice does that you Mm -hmm. don't get through the eyes. It just shows how much, how good an actor he is. Yeah. Even I'm, when he's not got complete control over what the character is doing. Yeah. But yeah, I would, I would agree with you on that. Uh, the last time I actually, cause I've, I've watched all the fast and furious movies, except I have for, not touched one of them. Okay. So I think it's in the eighth one, the eighth one that came out. And, uh, there's one scene in particular, I'm not going to spoil it, but, uh, be, be like, you feel what, um, Toretto's feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh. It's like, wow, he he really pulled the stops. Now, if you go to seven, be like, there's a lot more in there. Right. But uh, it's like, yeah, he, he has some, a lot of people will kind of downplay him because it's like, oh, he's just an action, he's an action uh, actor. It's like, mm-hmm. no, he's not. He's a really in-depth character if you yeah. get down to it. And uh, you, you spoke about the fact of... Um, the character re, uh, repairing itself. Yes. So the scene in which Hogar has put the robot, the giant, into the barn. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's missing an arm. So we find out where the arm is. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh. I, I, be, I laugh. So, that is scene. such a funny scene. And to describe the people, admittedly, oh, my gosh, yes. Admittedly, it is a very tropey scene. You see this kind of thing in lots of stuff. Oh, yeah. Trying to hide the... The thing I uh-huh. you can see this in Big Hero Six when oh yeah he's trying to get quote unquote drunk uh, Baymax <laughs> like, yes. up the stairs yes it's that sort of thing yeah but here it's done beautifully oh yeah the the fact that the hand also, acts just like a, a hand <laughs> it's a hand that's acting like a dog yeah <laughs> and I loved it like. I think it was like the connection part was wagging like a tail. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so good. He's playing with the toilet paper. Yeah. And it was so it was so well executed and done and had all this emotion and just the, the fact that it's it's a it's amazing. It's yes. amazing. The that entire scene was amazing. The whole movie's amazing. Well, and the other one where I don't remember what exactly is happening, but he's yeah. trying to bless the meal. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> and he's yes. trying to tell uh, the hand. The, the, I don't remember if it's the hand or I, I think it's the same scene, but I could be wrong. You're right. But he's trying to tell the hand what to do, but is still trying to hide the fact from his mother <laughs> by trying to work all this stuff into a prayer. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> it's so good. Especially, Go leave Satan. <laughs> Oh, so good, so good, so good, so good. Anyway, so the the Brad Bird quote I was wanting to give you give you guys. Uh, this is from apparent. Okay, so the quote is, uh, Brad Bird was in part inspired to make the movie 
as a memorial to his sister Susan, mm-hmm. who died at the hands of his of her husband by gun violence. He his pitch was this: if a what if a gun had a soul and didn't want to be a gun? So the anti Megatron, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much be like I still function. Want a bet? <laughs> what you get for just turning into a gun <laughs> exactly. for, for Starscream to shoot <laughs> and still claim to be uh, the leader of the Decepticons. Oh, anyway, this yes. is not... The, you want to hear our thoughts on Transformers, the movie. Go, 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 go listen, listen to, to that, that episode. episode. It's a brilliant one. It's one that takes a long time to get through. Yeah, I don't remember how long it is, but it's, it's long. It's, one of, it's our longest... It's our first long, really long one. I think it's almost as long as the movie. But... Yeah, those two-hour rants were just lovely. Those were fun. <laughs> and there was a reason we had to try and get away from them. Yes. Anyway, um, I think we're both kind of in the same boat where we don't really have much in terms of distance. No. So no. I'm going to touch on my first one, which is probably the only thing. It's not My first one is not really a problem with the movie. Yeah. It's a problem with the fact that we that something did not move on from this. Okay. The opening logo... For Warner Brothers Animation, mm-hmm. with its callback to the old Bugs Bunny Looney Tunes. Yeah, I wish they were still using that because I I was I watched that beginning. Like, holy crap! Why is this not the logo for Warner Animation Group? Why isn't it? I don't know. It's like I I wish this was what we got to see on all this other stuff. Yeah. this is a cool. It's a, it's a nice throwback. It looks nice. It's subtle. It's not in your face. And yet you know exactly what it is when you see it. Hmm. Why is this not the logo, opening logos for Warner Brothers? For Warner Brothers Animation? Why? Because anyway. it didn't do well. I don't care. It's cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's that's not a problem with this movie. Right. And that kind of tells you how my dislikes are going to go. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my first dislike what's your first dislike my first dislike it's not really a dislike for the movie at all it is kind of it's mm, how do i say this it's how some people would interpret this film definitely if you are a uh A Second Amendment. Yeah, person. I can kind of see that, but at the same time, I don't think it's really saying anything about gun violence. It's just he's a weapon. Half his attacks are not even gun based. I agree. I agree. Now, they do say, I don't want to be a gun. Yeah. But that's because a gun is the most easily recognizable weapon in the modern age. That is true. But anyway. Well, it, I mean, like it, it, the movie does have kind of a, uh, not a non-gun mm-hmm. statement, but it has more that guns can be lethal. That guns can oh, be yeah. lethal. And obviously, that's more of a very broad statement. But obviously, because I know a lot of people who are very, that, be like, there again, Second Amendment, amazing. Yes, yes. we should have the Second Amendment. I'd be like, we I would do never need to be ever, able to defend ourselves. Exactly. I would never say, be like, we should, we should abolish it in any form or fashion. Let me be perfectly clear saying that. Because I know a lot of people 
would watch this movie and dislike it because it has a yeah semi statement like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I just, I, I hate that. I mm-hmm. hate that. And uh, so that was one of my little things. Cause I know, cause there again, I know a lot of people like that, like that. And so this was, I guess it was kind of a harder one for me to kind of breach because yeah. we, we talked about it earlier and you know, be like, Guns are important. Be like the fact that a gun itself cannot kill without someone behind it. Right. And there, this this whole debate has been so... so it's so okay. huge. Okay. So, Let me help you with okay. what you're trying to say. Go for it. I want to point out that the the, the idea of the giant being a weapon yeah. is, has no, absolutely nothing to do with the Second Amendment and any of that. There we go. What the point of the giant, keep in mind what the giant is. Yeah. He is an automated defense system for whoever built him. Yeah, exactly. Now, we don't know who built him. Yeah. He's some alien creature from beyond the stars. That yeah. It doesn't really matter who built him. But when it perceived a threat mm-hmm. to itself, despite the fact it was just a toy gun that couldn't do anything, yeah, um, it automatically had... It automatically went to defensive mode and tried to protect itself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And protect those it deemed as uh, needing protection. Yeah. And when when it felt like the person that was most important to it was dead, yeah. even though he wasn't, he decided to go ahead and do mutually assured destruction. Yeah. I'm using that term for a specific reason. Yeah. I think in many ways, while you can claim this might be about you know the be- evils of gun violence yeah. and all this stuff, it's really more of a allegory for what the atomic race ended up being. We were slowly... We were at the time in a war with Russia. Yeah. It was getting to the point... As you can see throughout this entire movie... Um, it was to a point where it did not matter who built the weapon. If it wasn't American, it wasn't, it was, it needed to be destroyed. Right. Mansley says that in the yeah, movie. He does. Um, we got, and the fact of the matter is the Russians felt the same way. If they, if the Russians didn't build it and it was, and it could cause a threat. It needed to be destroyed. Exactly. And that's pretty much, what the world was at at that point. Yeah, it was was to a point where uh, you had Americans had planes that were patrolling just enough outside the border, the airspace of Russia, Mm -hmm. that they could not be considered an aggressive movement, but had orders that were just waiting for a go, an order of go, to go to certain spots in Russia to drop atomic bombs. Yeah. And the Russians did the same thing with us. Exactly. So that if we, so, so that if they couldn't win, we couldn't win either and vice versa. Yeah, pretty much. Get an idea of what I'm talking about. You need to go look at the movie Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. Or at that point, the Russians even came up with a, what they called a doomsday machine mm-hmm. that if it determined anything hit, 
was going to destroy it was going to hit anywhere in Russian borders, it would actually cause it would actually it would automatically launch everything, uh, destroy everything, and it, everything would immediately go into atomic winter because it's a doom. It's designed to cause mutually assured destruction. In min- now, it wasn't a robot. Yeah. Granted, we never had to see what the th- the Doomsday Machine was in Doctor Strange Love. Yeah. But in this movie, this Doomsday Machine, despite the fact it was not built by humans, is the giant. Yeah. And the giant, because of the love of this one little boy mm-hmm. and the caring of this little boy, realized it did not want to kill. But when the th- the person that meant the most to it, he perceived as death, he no longer cared. Yeah, exactly. And went to kill everybody. It, this movie is more about keeping a check on human aggression that's by, good. That's good point. by uh, focusing on uh, the ideas of the, the Cold War and mutually assured destruction and all those concepts. And keep in mind, the robot was wrong. Hogarth was not dead. Yeah. But because he thought he was dead, he was willing not just to, to, to kill everybody in that town. It didn't matter if they were innocent. It didn't matter if they were guilty. It didn't matter if they were civilian. It didn't matter if they were military. He was going to kill everything. Mm. And it did not matter if he got retaliated against. Yeah. If Hogarth had actually died in that scene, they would the Nautilus would have shot that missile. Mm-hmm. It would have hit. It would have done nothing. It would would have caused, you know, maximum damage. Maximum damage killed everybody in the town, put a giant crater in the in the earth there, but we know that the robot would have been able to self-repair. Yes. Which means that sh- that the Nautilus would have been would have failed its mission. Yeah. In that instance, and as the robot rebuilt itself, it would then probably go on a rampage, killing any human being it met. Probably. Most likely. And if it were not for the fact that at a, there was a relationship between this boy and this robot, mm-hmm. that's what how the movie would have ended. Yeah, pretty and much. That's what it is. You can claim it's anti-gun. You can claim it's anti-war, because I'm sure there's people who are going to claim anti-war in this also. Oh, yeah. You can claim a lot of stuff. It is about, if it's about anything, it's about being sure before you do something that what you're, what you have, what you're about to unleash is warranted. Yeah. Honestly, that's what I think this is about. Okay. Yes, you. It is still a much about. Maybe you should your first. Your first instinct should not be to bite the fur the, the hand that slapped you mm-hmm. maybe there might be extenuating circumstances sure and i think in many ways while i'm not i don't really want to talk about you know the riots and such that have mm. happened a lot recently yeah i think a lot of this can apply in that realm also agreed but i just want to be clear this is not anti-second amendment no this is use your weapon wisely and i think that's the problem here the the robot couldn't use its weapon wisely and the man and 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 the xenophobia and the fear caused the humans to to use their weapons unwisely and it nearly cost everything in this very true 
All right. I that you, this is still your first dislike. Yes. There was also I wanted to bring something up that we were actually doing a study on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That kind of made me think of this. And this was a, a quote that uh, our pastor said once mm-hmm. or the other day. This is from uh, James 1, 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Mm-hmm. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and wretched wickedness and receive the meekness, the implanted word in which is able to save your soul. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something this world right needs if, right if now. If nothing else, slow to speak, uh, qu- quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger is something even the non-Christians really need to be considering. Oh right yeah, now. this this whole world needs to hear that mm-hmm. right now. Even if you're not a Christian, there is there is wisdom in that. Yeah, and if you are a Christian, you definitely should be doing that. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, let's we've we've breached the heaviest topic in this m- review we could breach. Oh yeah, I think so. Definitely. We, let's continue. Uh, did you have anything else on? No, your, I didn't. Uh, second, I didn't. Second dislike. Okay, so my second dislike is an easy one. Um, my second dislike is I wish this movie was. I, I, I dislike that the fact that this was wasn't as liked as it should have been. Agreed. This should have been up there. It should. This should have been up for Academy Awards if it wasn't. Agreed. And I bet it wasn't because it, you said it came out in August. Yeah. Yeah. So it would not have even. It was nowhere near Oscar season. Yeah. When that came up, and this would have been before. Uh, the best animated feature segment would have been added to the awards. True. If I remember correctly. Yeah. So this movie might be the most underrated movie I think we've reviewed so far. Okay. And that's a shame. Yeah. Great. Because this movie does not deserve to be as underrated as it is. Yeah. I agree. Just, I feel like despite the fact that it's now a cult classic. Yeah. I feel like it's, and I actually hate calling it a cult classic because that makes it sound like there's something people, people who aren't, who don't absolutely love it can find wrong with it. Yeah. I have a, I can't even think of anything. Me either. To find wrong with this movie. Yeah. It's and just to kind of throw this up because I I really have nothing else. My number three dislike is I didn't see it sooner. Yeah, same here. I like I said I saw it once back on Cartoon Network, and I really wasn't paying attention when I watched it then. Ah. Uh. This time I watched it and I was like, man, is this a solid movie? Yeah, it is. I love. I'm tempted to buy it myself just so I have it in my collection. Yeah. I haven't done it yet. Same here. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I am I, I am tempted to, to, to do so. So, yeah. yeah. That's I'm, both my second and third dislike. I got gotcha. you. That pretty much it was not received well mm-hmm. and that I didn't watch it either at the time. Yeah. What's your third dislike? <sighs> I think you said it. Mm-hmm. I, I think you've said it all that... It's be like it hasn't be like it didn't receive the love it it uh it desperately needed in theaters and I didn't get to see it in theaters mm-hmm. and uh, kind of like someone who said in that that post be like Iron Giant because there's probably a lot of people who yeah. would love to go watch this movie in theaters and like you said the the fact to be like you know that we are currently in a pandemic. COVID-19. Mm-hmm. We're at the tail end of a pandemic. We're yeah. in the middle of the worst 
race relations disaster in the past 15 years. Yeah, pretty much. Because this is worse than what happened in, was it Franklin? Yeah, yeah. Franklin. Seven, eight years ago? Yeah, Franklin was bad. Yeah, this is almost worse than that for a lot less that that, that uh, caused it. Yeah. But this is something, this is a movie I think everyone does need to say. Yeah, exactly. It's It's got this, you know, it's got a really amazing message. And, e- and even on a surface level, it's an amazing movie. Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We were, went pretty deep on that one. We went pretty deep on that. I didn't actually expect to go that deep, but uh, when you're, the weapons and violence debates is one of those things that this we were bound to talk about at one point. I think oh yeah, lot, I think up until you brought it up, we were kind of hitting around it. Yeah, so I actually thank you for bringing it up, even if I had to jump in there and say it's not really a Second Amendment thing. It's really here's what this movie's about. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. So we need to rate this movie. Yes. Uh, I'm giving it a nine. I want to give it a 10. Yeah. In fact, no, I'm going to rephrase. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Okay. And the only reason I'm not rating it a 10. Yeah. Is just because it doesn't feel like I can give it that extra little oomph. Yeah. To get up there. And I don't know why. Okay. To some degree, I know why. The only other 10 I think I've got on the book right now is Totoro. Okay. Totoro is just amazing. Yeah, I'll agree. For what little... uh, There's a great story there, but that movie, I knew as soon as it done, it was a 10. I can't tell you I knew this was a... what the rating of this movie was when I finished it. Yeah. So, since it's not that clear-cut, I don't feel like I can actually give it a full 10, but I am going to give it a 9.5 because it is... If it's not a perfect movie, it's... Really it's, dang it's close. So close. It's so close. And I understand why when Pixar was, well, when Pixar saw this movie and they realized how bad it did, why they wanted to hire Brad Bird for their yeah. next movie. Because he pushed the envelope far. Yeah. And they said, and they, you could just tell, we need, they knew they had to get him on their, in their talent pool. Mm-hmm. And I'm so, we're, we're going to have to do some more Brad Bird coming up because we've only done one other Brad Bird film. Yeah. We've got at least two more. Yeah, that we're gonna we can do. Hopefully, he'll do another animated one soon. Hopefully, but yeah, at some point. Uh, what's your rating on this? Oh, it's it's almost a toss up between nine and nine point five. Like it's oh my gosh. Um. Heck, I'll get yeah. I'll give it a nine. I'll give it a nine. And be like, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with this film. Mm-hmm. I love it to death. It's it's definitely going to my collection of yeah. films, uh, which there's a lot of them. Um, but um, I wouldn't know anything about that problem. No, of course not. <laughs> but the movie, like, yeah, no movie is perfect, but this movie comes really close, mm-hmm. like incredibly close. Uh, I think the only movie I've ever rated was a 10 was probably Little Mermaid. And I probably was just more that, like... There was probably a lot of nostalgia. In that there, there was a ton of nostalgia with that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think if I was to go back and watch it again, I would probably give it a higher. And uh, so I'm Well, more, it is your first viewing. Yes. So you knew... Another viewing is might, might lead more appreciation for it. Absolutely. So, yeah. I'm going to give it a solid nine. It's 
tremendously worth watching if you mm-hmm. haven't watched it. Go watch this film. Yes, it be like watch it with your kids. You know, get a bunch of people to wa- come over and watch it. It is worth it. Go rent it. Go buy. Go buy it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, dig around in a bargain bin. You might find it. Sad that you'd have to look in a bargain bin, but yeah, yeah. No, I'd be like honestly, I, I saw it once in a bargain bin. That's such a shame. Yeah, I hate to say that because it's that's an amazing deal. Yeah, but for such an incredible film, right? Yeah. All right, well, that brings us to the end of the episode in total, which means it's time to roll for our next movie. Except we got to do it for another roll before we roll for that next movie mm-hmm. because we've done 20 movies since we last rolled our orders on the dice. Mm-hmm. So I believe you rolled on the last one time we did this. Yes. So I'm going to roll this time. Okay. Uh, currently, right now, just so everyone's aware, before I roll that, before I roll this dice, uh, I'm had I had the number one slot. You had two, three, and four, and then I had five and six. Yeah. So, uh, for those who don't know, I actually came up with a listing of pretty much every combination between one and twenty of us each having three movies, and assigned them each a spot on this uh, d20. So, assuming we do not get Eight, which was our first uh, setting, mm-hmm. and we don't get thirteen, which is our current setting. Uh, if I get either one of those, I'll roll again. But we've got plenty to choose from here, so let's go ahead and roll this thing. And we got twelve, oh. which puts you at one, me at two and three, you at four. Me at five and you at six. Good. So, uh, your first one is actually our blank spot. Okay. So, what is our next? What is the next movie going in the slot? Ghost in the Shell. Ah. This is the first Ghost in the, the Shell movie. The first movie. All right. Ever since there is a slew of these movies all over the place. TV series, they actually just released a brand new mm-hmm. one on Netflix. Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, I'm next. Uh, at number two, we're going to put Fantasia. Okay. Trying to mark these in here as we go so I, I can put it back in order yeah. when the time comes. Right. Uh, let's see. Next one. After that is Dragon Ball Z, The Dead Zone. Okay. At number four, we've got Toy Story. Hmm. That's right. At number five, we have Monsters vs. Aliens. Hmm. And at number six... Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh. So, I get to roll again with the D6 because this was your movie mm-hmm. that we just reviewed. So, I'm going to roll this one and we'll see what we get. We rolled two. a two, which gives us Fantasia. Fun. Have you watched Fantasia before? When I was a very small child and I got bored with it. <laughs> 
I think you'll have a different appreciation yes, for it I will. now. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Fantasia is, I'll give you a quick, quick rundown. It is a collection. It is the third animated Disney production that was ever released. Yeah. It is a collection of eight uh, shorts, essentially, that are set to classic uh, symphony tunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two big ones that most people know from this, and most people remember, of course, you've got The Magician's Apprentice, mm-hmm. the, the one Mickey Mouse cartoon that's actually in this, and then you've got Night on Bald Mountain. Oh, yeah, I remember Which that is an interesting one. And that's actually the one it ends on. But there's a couple of other little interesting things in here, too. So uh, keep an eye out for that. That's going to be a fun episode, I think, too. I think so. All right. So uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. So uh, join us next week for Fantasia. Thanks. All right. We, anyway. Where's the thing? Where's the stop button? Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast! Oh, boy! So where can they find you, Jacob? They can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron and Jacob's Daily Art Corner, my personal art Facebook page. On Twitter at Jacob B. Heron. On Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. And on Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin, where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759. Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, thecellcast.podbean.com, where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher, our RSS feed. If we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory, please share, review, and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends. You will also find a link to our Facebook group, the Double Feature Podcast Community, where we talk about both animated and live-action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother Jim, at uh, the Movie of the Week podcast, where we talk about live-action movies. You can also email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, every time we say The Cellcast, that is with a single L. L.